Shankly Kids. I heard a cop I Hello and welcome to the Cop Table Podcast. I'm your host, Peter Phillips. Tonight we're previewing the Swansea City game at Anfield this Saturday. On tonight's show, we have Stephen Carroll representing Swansea. Stephen follows Swansea home and away and he runs the SOS fanzine and also takes part in the Swansea podcast known as the Jack Cast. So, warm welcome to the show once again to you, Stephen. Thanks for having me. Very welcome. And on the Liverpool side of things tonight, making his cop table debut, we have Craig Holden. Craig is a lifelong Reds fan from Wexford in Southern Ireland. He's a freelance writer and a podcaster with the Anfield Index. So, very warm welcome to the show for the first time to you. Craig, how are you? I'm great, thanks, Peter. Appreciate you having me on. Looking forward to it. Good stuff. Okay, well, um, we'll stay with you first, Craig. Going back towards the, the game against Manchester United at the weekend, can I just ask you, what did you make of the performance and what did you make of the result? Was it a fair result or do you think uh, Liverpool deserved to take the three points in that game? If I'm being honest, I think it was a pretty fair result. Although, when you look at the media, I don't know what game they were watching. They seemed to think that we were just about to buckle towards the end. But I think our defence held them off quite well. Uh, I'm not going to take anything away from Ibrahimovic. It was a fantastic goal. He controlled the header beautifully. But I thought once we took the lead, we we looked in control and we looked like we had we had them where we wanted them. They were resorting to bringing Fellaini on then and pinging diagonal balls, 50, 60 yard balls into the box. And I don't know after the game when Mourinho was interviewed and he said that we did the exact same at Old Trafford that they did at, at um, Anfield. I really don't know what game he was watching because the statistics back up with more chances than them, with more touches in the box than them. I think I think the draw was a fair result, but um, I certainly don't think we were under the cash by any means, and I I'm, I was disappointed to see that in the media. If I'm being honest, yeah, it, it like you say, it was interesting to see what came out in the media, and it was a, it was a little bit possibly biased uh, from from a Manchester United point of view. But there was a couple of players there that stood out for me. Obviously, Coutinho was coming back and um, looked lively, didn't he? But what did you make of Trent Alexander-Arnold making his uh, his full Premier League debut at right back, coming in, into that cauldron at Old Trafford? Well, I think the best compliment I can give him is he looked like he belonged. He didn't look out of place at all. He seems to have a fine head in his shoulders. He seems to get forward a lot. He defended quite well. He did, we did have to cover him at times, but, oh my God, what, what composure for a chap of that age. Like To go to, to Old Trafford, and put in a steady performance like that that's the stuff that dreams are made of and it's great to know that we have somebody coming through that can can cover for Kleine and may even be able to cover on the left if needed very impressive yeah he had a very good game didn't he okay then over to yourself then Stephen going back to the Arsenal game at the weekend did the scoreline flatter the Gunners because by all accounts Swansea put in a a good first half performance and, and held them out for a long time so what's your thoughts on that game um, there were some positive signs, to be fair, in the first half, as you say. It was a lot better than it has been. And obviously, we were playing against the top side as well. So, I can definitely take some encouragement for it. We, Bob Bradley, when he was in charge, seemed to have this annoying habit of playing some players out of position, trying to maybe vary the tactics. And I think it was a bit of sixes and sevens, really. Um, players didn't understand what they were meant to be doing. And it showed by some of the horrendous results we've had. But to be fair to Paul Clement, he picked what I would say is largely um, our best 11. 
and he picked um, the right formation that suits the players that we've got. So there was more of a structure really to our performance. And in the first half, we probably edged it. I'm not sure if we edged it enough to be in front, but we definitely shouldn't have been behind. Um, then, to be honest, in the second half, um, which is what seems to happen with us, if we go a goal down, the heads seem to drop and things seem to uh, unravel a little bit. And um, we got outplayed really. And it could have actually been more than four, um, if I'm honest. But um, like I said, there were encouraging signs, but I think it says a lot for how bad things have been that I'm saying there was some encouragement when we've lost 4-0. In reality, you know, we've been spanked again. Yeah, that, that's interesting you should say about the, the stat of the, the goals in the second half, because I've seen something today, I was I was looking at, looking at a little preview of the game, and it said, I think it was eight of the last ten games that, that Swansea have played in, um, the majority of the goals have come in, in the second half, whether that be for or against Swansea, so obviously that's a, a reoccurring theme, isn't it? Yeah, it seems to be. I mean, like I say, if, if we go a goal down, it, it never seems to stay at one, really. It seems to be goes to three or four, doesn't really, it, it skips the two, and then before we know it, we're getting stuffed. I mean, we've we shipped three at Middlesbrough, three at West Brom, West Ham put four on us, and Bournemouth did. Those two games were at the Liberty. Arsenal have now stuck four on us. And obviously, if you want to go back even further than that, when we played Palace at home, we won 5-4. If you think there, we even conceded four. So <laughs> defensively, we are an absolute shambles. There's, uh, there's no two ways about it, really. A clean sheet is asking for a miracle at this club at the moment. Yeah, and Paul Clement, he's brought in a couple of players, at least I think from what I was reading today. I know Tom Carroll's come in, hasn't he? And, and Martin Olsen, um, by all accounts. But do you expect them to make many more signings in January, Stephen? Um, I'm not too sure. I'm hoping for a centre-half. Um I think we are, are in the market for the right one, but we've got to find one because, like I say, at the back we are terrible and I think it is down to a lack of ability, really. I mean, we're missing Ashley Williams massively. Um, like I say, Olsen has come in. That's a left-back. That's That should be an improvement on what we've got. Neil Taylor hasn't had the best of seasons and Stephen Kingsley is still quite inexperienced, so I think we did need someone there, ideally. Um, Tom Carroll... He was on loan with us a couple of years ago and wasn't really the answer then. I don't think he's going to be now either, if I'm honest with you. Um, then there was one other signing we've made, which is Luciano Narsing, um, a winger from PSV. I'm a bit more hopeful with him that he'll be um, a decent acquisition for us. But um, I think he's injured at the moment, so we're unlikely to see him at the weekend. But as I say, really, centre-half is where we're looking and we have to bring somebody in. It's as simple as that. Excellent. Cheers, Stephen. OK, back over, back over to you then. Craig, Simon Mignolet, he produced a, a fine display in goal against uh, Manchester United at the weekend and, and Carrius did quite, quite well last night against Portsmouth, didn't he? But looking at it from from the, the two of them as goalkeepers for Liverpool Football Club, do you see that the competition of the, the pair of them is pushing each other on in terms of performance onto the next level? Absolutely think that they're pushing each other um, but I'm still I'm never going to be a fan of Simon Mignolet if I'm honest he did play very well against United but he's still right at the end there he did have his Mignolet moment where he cleared the ball straight to United and put it straight back under pressure um, I've long been a fan of Carrius I've been watching the Bundesliga for many years and when I knew we were looking for a keeper during the summer I was looking at himself and Timo Horn um, I was hoping we brought in one of them I think that I was a bit disappointed that we took Carrius out of the firing line when we did. I think we should have left him in and gave him the whole season, seeing how he got on. And Mignolet got a lot of backing from the previous regime and he got his chances. And I think that Carrius deserved his. 
I definitely think the point is that you've made is correct. Though. They really do seem to be spurring each other on performance-wise. They've both stepped up their game. They're both looking as good as they have in a while, and there is some genuine competition there at the minute. It's just who the manager prefers. I disagree with what you're saying there, Craig, about um, Loris Karius being being left in. I, I think it was the right decision at the time to take him out the firing line. He was getting a lot of heat, wasn't he? There was a lot of stuff in the press from, from Gary Neville and, and things like that. And I, I just personally think that Klopp made the right decision to take him out of the firing line, let him sit back on, on the bench for a, for a few games and, and just basically get his head down in training and work on, on one or two things and, and like he's he's brought him back into the to the League Cup game and, and the um, the FA Cup game and he's kept kept two clean sheets in, in the, the Plymouth ties. Obviously it's only Plymouth but he still kept two clean sheets and he, he done well against Southampton because he kept us in the game. It could have been could have been three or four nil and he, he kept it to, to one and he's expected to play again against uh, Southampton again next week. But I just think that Mignolet is a safer pair of hands at the moment. He might not be a better um, distributor of the ball, if you like, but at the end of the day, the the goalkeeper's job is to, to stop the ball from going in the back of the net. And I just think at the moment that Simon Mignolet is the is the player that, that's that's more beneficial to the team in, in that way. Well, if I could just come back there, the, do you think maybe that the reason that Klopp took him out at the time was because the derby was coming up? I think that might have played a huge factor in his decision-making. Um, secondly, when it comes to keeping, I'm an ex-international youth goalkeeper. So I'm, it's kind of the one position on the field where I do feel like I can speak with some authority. And yeah, I just think that Carries has a much better all-round game than Mignolet. Um, Mignolet, the old adjective is, yeah, he's a good shot stopper. But I just think that Mignolet has plateaued. I think he's reached the level he can get to, whereas with Carrius, I think with coaching, there's a much higher plateau for him to reach, and I think he can, be, he can become a better keeper. But don't get me wrong, I completely understand the point you made about Klopp taking him out of the firing line, and it, it's a very valid point. I just think in the long term, Carrius is going to be a much better goalkeeper. Yeah, like you say, it's going to be interesting, but I th- he, it long term... Lodis Carrius will be the number one at Liverpool. I've, I've got no doubts about that. I just think a similar situation situation sorry happened at Manchester United didn't it with uh, David De Gea in his first season he struggled a little bit and Ferguson took him out the firing line and brought I think it was Lingard in at the time and just let him sit back and I just think personally that that Klopp made the right decision in just like you say the derby was coming up the Evertonians would have been baying for his blood wouldn't he they would have been absolutely roaring down his neck at the Gladys Street end there and obviously Mignolet's had a little bit more experience and it proved to be a, a good decision, especially in, in that fixture. So absolutely, it did. He certainly seemed to have got it spot on. And if he did make a mistake at Everton at the Gladys through the end, I don't think there's just any coming back from that. So you may well be correct. Excellent. Okay, then we'll go back over to yourself then, Stephen. Right. How do you expect the Swansea uh, manager, Paul Clements, to approach this game? And what sort of formation do you expect them to uh, to produce an Anfield on Saturday? It's a difficult one to say exactly how he'll approach it because obviously he is quite new in the job and we haven't faced any of the ter- what would be the traditional top six away from home yet. So I suppose the smart money would be on him going fairly defensive and looking to keep things tight. That will not work. I, I can guarantee you it won't work for 90 minutes anyway because of how poor we are. But I would assume it would be that with maybe a 4 2 3-1 which is what we usually play but unless he asks uh, Gilfie Sigurdsson to maybe drop a little bit deeper to try and make him more of a 4-3-3 I suppose which would make sense because 
like I say, we, we are going to struggle defensively, and obviously with, with Liverpool being the home team, they're going to be on the front foot. So I would expect us to approach it in that way, really. But um, like I say, with it being a new manager, it's difficult to say he may have, you know, a, a different game plan up his sleeve. For all we know, because like I say, he's uh, he's only been in the job for a couple of weeks, so who knows exactly what he will do. Yeah, just. Just touching on the, the the managerial appointment of Paul Clements, is this uh, something that you've been happy with? Obviously, we, we spoke on the last podcast that, that we actually lost about um, the managerial changes, didn't we, about Guidelin lost his job and then they brought in Bradley. Before that, then too, it was Gary Monk and they, they've been chopping and changing, haven't they? Um, what, what's your thoughts on the appointment of, of Paul Clements? I think Paul Clement is a much better fit than the last couple we've had, certainly. Um like I said, um, Bob Bradley was completely out of his depth. There's no two ways about it. He was, as I said earlier, making so many changes. He, he just didn't have it. It's as simple as that. I don't blame him because if you get offered the job, you take it. it the blame lies uh, higher up than him in the same way that Francesco Guidlin should not have had the job in the summer. It's as simple as that. He's just a yes man to the board, which is the same as Bob Bradley, really. And um, that's what the real issue is, I would say, at Swansea. It's a case of the board have been having too much of a say when it comes to transfers and being very tight in terms of uh, putting money out for transfers as well and we've suffered as a result I mean Ashley Williams and Andrea who um, two of our best players from last season were sold and not really replaced and that's what we're struggling with I think Paul Clement is well, he's obviously a good coach, he's worked at a lot of top clubs, has a lot of contacts as he's proven by bringing Claude McAlealy into the backroom team mm. um, but it's going to be very difficult for him, I think, in the short term, especially to um, keep us in the division. I think long term, if we stick with him and actually give him some time, then I am a bit more hopeful that um, we may do well next year, even if it's not in the Premier League. But um, I think it's definitely a move in the right direction. But really, Paul Clement should have had the job when Guidlin uh, left. I think if he had, then we'd be well. We'd certainly have a few more points, in my opinion, and wouldn't be looking as bad as we are right now. Yeah, is there any truth that um, Brendan Rodgers was approached um, in the summer to take over at, back at Swansea again, Stephen? Well, I know we definitely had talks. Um, from what people who are um, a bit closer to the club have told me, that I think it, Brendan thought he was going to have the job, but then in the end, Greedley, um got it. I mean, I think the real issue with Rodgers is probably that he wasn't the kind of yes-man that Greedlin is, from my point of view. Brendan Rodgers was absolutely the right man to um, come back into the club. I think we'd lost our identity a bit of the Swansea way of the playing out from the back and Rodgers was the ideal person um, to re-implement it and it would have strengthened significantly the playing squad if he had come in. But I think, like I say, if Rodgers comes in, he probably would have gone, right, I want this player, I want that player. And I don't think the board would have been too happy with that. So I think that's why Greedling got it. But at the end of the day... you get what you pay for. If we'd gone for Rogers, we'd be safe in mid-table right now, in my opinion, but um, the board didn't want that, and um, we're now paying the price, unfortunately. Excellent. Thanks very much, Stephen. Okay, then, Craig, looking back at, towards uh, the fixture last night against Plymouth, obviously it was a, a very young lineup. Again, apart from the likes of Coutinho and Sturridge and Origi, who started. Um, but what did you make of the performance of, of the younger lads, shall we say, the likes of Alexander-Arnold again and Stuart, Joe Gomez, um, Ajaria? What was your, your thoughts on the, the performances on them? Yeah, it's a tough one to call, isn't it? Because you like to see them guys 
introduced alongside the, the major players to see how they fit in in that format. But um, who caught my eye was actually Ojo. I know he only came on as a late sub, but he looked very lively when he came on. He, mm. he changed the game. He really, really looked dangerous. Um, Ajari, I think, does have a very good future, but he wasn't really at it last night. It wasn't one of his better games. Now, that's no slight on the lad at all. He's a young player. Players are going to be up and down. Their form is going to be all over the place. But I think he has a very good future. The one person that I feel I'm slightly worrying for at the club and who I had high hopes for is Kevin Stewart. I really don't see I, I don't see him making the progress I'd, I'd hoped he would have made at this stage. Um, he's very solid. He can... I think to me he looks like a, a championship level player. He just he doesn't seem to have that range of passing. He doesn't seem to have the speed of thought to play the position. I think in defence we look very solid. Trent Alexander Arnold again, another very good steady game. It was great to see Young Gomez get another game in at centre back. I'd like to see him alongside maybe Matip sometime. Just to, to, to actually see him playing with, you know, the 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 cream of our centre halves. I think yeah. all in all though, it, it was a tough game to call. Well, it was a, it was a, it wasn't the best game of football anybody's played, but they got the job done. They got the results, and that will give them nothing but confidence going forward. I mean, it's great they went away from home. They got the, they got the results. They got the goal. Lucas scoring was just unbelievable. That's mm-hmm. that just that just told you everything about the game right there. Lucas scored the only goal of the game. Um, oh, it was, it was very promising. Uh, there was a couple of good performances, but I think I think I read a stat today that Klopp has given an introduction to 19 players since he joined the club and 12 of them were here when he got here so I think that's that's a very very good uh, outlook for the future um, What did you make of the, the performance of some of the more experienced guys obviously Coutinho was, is finding his feet again isn't he? he's coming back to fitness but Origi and Sturridge there was, there was quite a, a lot of criticism labelled towards them too on Twitter and places like that last night um, more so Origi um, because obviously his penalty miss and was it more a case of that the, the midfielders wasn't providing the passes because Sturridge seemed to me that like he was making a lot a lot of runs off the ball, um, but the two of them just they didn't seem to be on the game at all. What, what did you make of their performances, uh, Craig? Well, just quickly to touch on Coutinho, I think he was just you know completely playing within himself and he just wanted to get the minutes minutes under his belt before the the coming week. Um, with Sturridge, it's it's tough. You mean? You look at Daniel Sturridge and you know he has all the talent in the world. But I seem to think he doesn't trust the players around him sometimes. He feels like he has to do everything. He's coming deep to get the ball sometimes. I think every time he gets the ball, I know he's a striker and strikers should be selfish, but he really does just look look to goal every time he picks up the ball. I don't think he looks to play in his strike partners and I don't think he I don't think he really fits into a Klopp system. I think long long term are really Origi is the forward that will fit into his system. Um, neither of them were great last night. You could tell Origi was going to miss that penalty before he even stepped up to kick it. It was um, it was a very poor performance, I think, from our first-team players. Well, what you consider first-team players, you just hope that it's a minor blip. Um, I think Origi just, just needs a goal or two to get him going. He just doesn't look, look in form. But then again, he is a young player. He will be up and he will be down, but he has my full support um, going forward. I really have high hopes for Origi. Sturridge, I've seen a few things today going around about LA Galaxy. I think it's too early in his career for that, but I, I really can see him moving on in the summer. I can't see him having a long-term future under Klopp. Yeah, it's, it's interesting you should say that because um, Stephen Gerrard spoke about it in his on BT Sport didn't he, after the game and said basically that in the summer Daniel Sturridge would have a 
a decision to make. Um, does he stay at Liverpool and and be happy with his role as a squad player, or or does he does he move on elsewhere? With the likelihood being that he's gonna go down to a, a club who's not as high profile as Liverpool are. But Gerard touched on on a similar situation. If you're in Daniel Sturridge's shoes, what would you do, Craig? It's a very very tough decision. I think it all comes down to his hunger and how much he wants to play and what he wants to do. Um, from what I've seen of Daniel Sturridge, his attitude has only ever been top-notch since he's been at the club. He seems to be great around the dressing room. He seems to be great with the young guys. Yeah. Where would he go? Possibly look at the likes of maybe West Ham or if he wants to move down to London. I think he's far too good to end up in America at this stage of his career. I can't see him going to China either. I think he's going to stay in England if he moves on, but if he does move on, who who's going to come and get him? West Ham would be the only club I can think of that might interest them. I know he's from Birmingham originally, but I can't see him wanting to go back up that neck of the woods. It's a tough call. I, I just don't see him having a future at the club, and I hope, for his sake, that he has the hunger to want to carry on and prove himself, because he's a top-level striker. I just don't think he fits into our system. Excellent stuff. Okay, then, over to yourself again, Stephen. Fernando Llorente has been been mooted with having a a move to Chelsea in this, this transfer window, with the the possibility of Batshuayi coming back to to Swansea in a loan move. Is that something you can can see happening? Well, the Batshuayi thing I think is very unlikely because when it was mentioned in the press, it sounded as if Batshuayi had no interest of joining Swansea on loan. So the whole thing does seem to have died down a little bit now. Um, but I think if Chelsea ultimately want the rent saying they make a realistic bid, I mean, the player surely is going to want to try and dig his heels in for a move. I mean, do you want to stay with the team that's towards the bottom of the division? Or do you want to go to the team that's top of the league, the favourites for the title? And obviously he knows the manager well as uh, and the course is in London, which is a lot easier for everybody and has got much more going on than uh, Swansea. So, yeah, I think if a serious bid comes in, then I think we're going to have a problem, to be honest with you, because... Like I say, there is only one decision that he'll make then, but we can't really afford to sell him because, like I say, he's got six goals, which isn't a marvellous total, of course, but to be fair, in a team where our wingers are very average and don't give him many chances, that really is a good uh, total of goals. So we have to keep him, is what I would say. I mean, if Batshuayi had been coming on loan, I think then if a realistic bid came in, it'd be a bit like, right, well, maybe it's not quite the end of the world, we'd get some money in, and then we'd have... a striker that you would probably think would be able to do the job for the rest of the season but um doesn't look like a say as if Batshuayi is interested so we can't really afford to sell um Lorente because like I said we're struggling as it is and he's our best striker so selling him would be a disastrous move really yeah and, and looking towards the game on Saturday Stephen what what's the injury situation as as Paul Clemmer got a full squad to to choose from this weekend like I said Luciano Narsing, our new signing from PSV, is out injured. Other than that, I think we are more or less at um, at full strength, really. But um, it, it won't make a great deal of difference because full strength to us isn't, uh, must we say, the the top strength. So the other player missing is actually Jefferson Montero. He's been out for a little while, but he's been shocking recently, anyway. So it's actually a bit of a blessing that he can't play because he's one of those players that when everything's going well, um, he can be a joy. But then when you've got to dig in and work hard. It's just not going to happen. So I don't think he's a massive loss, to be honest with you. Okay. Cheers, Stephen. Right, Craig. Toward looking towards the the lineup of the Liverpool team on on Saturday. Obviously, now Klopp's got Sturridge, Coutinho, Firmino, 
Lalana at all to pick from. Who do you see um, starting the game on, on Saturday? So I was just thinking about this there. Um, where I would go, and this is a bit of a brave call, but i play a front three of Firmino, Coutinho, and possibly Ojo. I know that I think what, what Klopp will go with is a front three of Lalana, Firmino, and Coutinho, and I can see him playing Wijnaldum, Henderson, and um, Emre Chan in midfield. The back four, I think, will come down to is, is Klein going to be fit for the game? This seems to be a bit of a. Uh, there's not much information coming out about Klein's injury. I think he said at his press conference prior to the Plymouth game that he, he would be available in, in two to three days. Whether that the Swansea game comes too early for him, I'm not too sure. But with Alexander Arnold playing the last couple of, of games and and slotting in with, with that ease, if you like, um, I don't think that would be too much of a problem if he was to miss this game. No, I think you're spot on. I think Alexander Arnold could do a fine job there. Um, Matip obviously doesn't look like he's going to be playing, so I think you're looking at Clav and, and Lovren again, and then James Milner at left back. I think we'll see Mignolet in goal, as you said, as we spoke about earlier on. I think he'll continue with the league games for the time being. Um, it's just a matter of does he want to give Ojo a run out against Swansea? Does he want to see what he can do at home? Or does he want to play it safe and stick with the front three of, of Lalanne? And I hope he does play Lalana, Coutinho, and Firmino because I don't like Lalana in midfield. Uh, oh no, sorry, I'm completely off. I hope he plays Lalana in the midfield role. Apologies, I got that one completely off. Yeah, I think Lalana is much better playing from deep. Um, with with his back to goal, he doesn't seem to be as effective for us. So mm, it's a tough call, but he has options. We do have options, and whether you'll see, I don't think you'll see Coutinho get another ninety anyway. So we'll possibly see him get sixty and come back off again, ready for Wednesday. What does he do with the big calls? What is he going to do with Sturridge? And what is he going to do with Origi? And neither of them really put their hand up and said, I want the place. So it's going to be a hard call for call for a clap. What are you thinking yourself for the front three? I think with Sturridge coming off last night after, I think it was 60, 70 minutes, I thought that was with one eye, myself looking towards the game against Swansea, which is possibly why I think Daniel Sturridge will start the game, possibly with Firmino and... Um, I'm not sure whether Casino will start the game. You see, I think he might just keep him on the bench and, and bring him on um, in the second half, like he get, did against Manchester United, and then have him ready for the for the League Cup semi final against Swansea. So I think Sturridge and Firmino will both start. Whether it's um, see, I don't think Enrique will start. I think he'll, he'll be on the bench again. Whether he goes with Ojo up front or he brings it, puts Lalana back up in, into one of the the top positions, I'm not too sure. So it it will certainly be an interesting line-up on Saturday, but going back to the point you made about Joel Joel Matty and the situation with Cameroon at the moment, I think FIFA's said they're going to make a, a decision on Friday as to whether they're going to open a, an investigation into the case, but what's your thoughts on, on the situation there, Craig? Obviously, he thought we thought he'd, he'd re- retired from, from international football, but somehow Cameroon have, have stopped him from playing the, the last two games for Liverpool and possibly another Six or seven, if they get their way. It's a very odd situation. From now, I'm not going to claim to be an expert on the situation, but I've read up quite a bit. And it does seem that they accepted his retirement 15 months ago. It seems like he hasn't played for 15 months, and I think there's there's six or seven other players in the same position throughout the Premier League. Look, it just seems ludicrous. You couldn't see it happening in any other industry. The guy has a free will to choose what he wants to do. He's contracted to Liverpool Football Club. It should be his choice if he wants to play international football or not. 
he's not just pulling out of this tournament purely just to help Liverpool. He hadn't played in 15 months. I think the fact that Cameroon can put the club in this position is a disgrace. I think FIFA really need to look at the ruling because this could cost us a shot at the Premier League. And it's not the first time we've been messed around by FIFA. And I know we're not the only club in this position, but it just seems like a shambles. And it seems like they're just making a farce of their own their own product, really. Um, how are you seeing it yourself? Yeah, like you say, it's it's a very strange situation. How they can dictate to to Liverpool and the FA whether Joel Matip plays or not is is, is beyond me. Because we spoke to Mark about it the other night, didn't we, uh, Stephen? And we said if if it was an actor and he was he was acting in, say, for example, Coronation Street, and next week Brookside wanted him, he's well within his rights to just turn around and say, "Listen, I've had an offer from them. I'm going over." And there's Coronation Street can then not stop him from working for a for another television company, and um, it just seems ludicrous that that it's it's panned out like this. Well, Stephen, from obviously from a Swansea point of view, looking at it from from the outside, how, what do you make of it? It is a bit of an odd one because hasn't Matty retired from international football, and he retired obviously a little while back. So, I mean, if if he's retired, then I don't really see what the issue is. He should be able to play, shouldn't he? It's as simple as that for me. Well, you should, yeah, and we should find out tomorrow a bit more of, of the situation because FIFA said they're going to be um, making comments on it tomorrow, so it'll be interesting to see what happens with Joel Matip. I think the guy himself, um, and Klopp has said that he's, he's totally um, unhappy with the situation and, and Klopp's obviously uh, fuming at the situation as well, so we'll see about that one tomorrow. Right, lads, what we're going to do now... Oh, sorry, go on. I don't think Cameroon are doing themselves any favours going forward either, are they? If they ever wanted to have Matthew back, if they ever did think he was going to come back, I think this has really put the final nail in the coffin on his international career. Well, yeah, because uh, I think they'll have burnt all the bridges with with what they have with um, with Joel. I think it it was a previous regime, a previous manager that that he'd fell out with. Um, And there's a a new fellow who's took over and wanted him in the squad. But he's he's made his, his his position clear that he he didn't want to play for them and he'd already decided that in 2015 and they've just carried it on and um, it's come to this situation now which which is no good for anybody really is it so we shall see what happens okay then lads what we're going to do now is head over to the quiz part of the show five questions each most of them are multiple choice. I have to redo the, the questions for yourself, Stephen, because you obviously answered yours the other night, so I've changed yours. But Craig was not part of that podcast the other day, and uh, I've got the same questions that I asked uh, Mark Monaghan for that one. Right, Liverpool home team on Saturday. So, Craig, you'll get the, the chance to go first. Just get my questions ready. Right, first question for you then. Craig is who has scored the most league goals for Liverpool this season from Roberto Firmino Adam Lallana or James Milner hmm. I'm going to go with Milner it's actually Adam Lallana with seven goals Milner and Firmino both on on six so First question for yourself, Stephen, is who has scored the most league goals for Swansea this season from 
Wayne Routledge, Gilfie Sigurdsson, or Fernando Lorente? Fernando Lorente. Correct answer. He's got the six goals. Sigurdsson's just one behind on five, and Routledge is on just the two. Right, second question for you, Craig. Who has started the most league games this season for Liverpool from Jeannie Wijnaldum, Adam Lalana, or Sadio Mane? Who started the most league games? God, they've all missed games, so this is a tough one. I'm going to go with Mane. Very good answer, mate. Yeah, he's got 19 starts in the league. Lalana and Wijnaldum both on 17 each. So that's one apiece. Right, second question for you, Stephen. Who has the most starts in the league this season for Swansea from Neil Taylor, Kyle Norton, or Leroy Fair? That's a hard one, because like I said, Bradley loved his chopping and changing. I'll guess that it's Neil Taylor. He's actually the the third third one in the in the in the list with with eleven Neil Taylor. Okay. Yeah, Le- Leroy Fair with 13 starts and uh, Norton with 15. So that's one apiece. Right. Third question for yourself, Craig. Liverpool youngster Ben Woodburn represents which international team? Wales. It's a good answer. 2 1 to you, Craig, isn't it? Yeah. Right. Third, yeah, well done. Yeah, well done. Good answer. Third question for you, Stephen, is. Which international team does Modu Barrow represent? Uh, the Gambia. Gambia, very good answer. Back to two apiece. Right. Fourth question, Craig. Who has the most yellow cards for Liverpool this season from Emre Chan, James Milner, or Dejan Lovren? I'm going to go Lovren. Lovren's a good answer. Four yellow cards. Emre Chan with three and James Milner with two. Stephen, who has the most yellow cards for Swansea this season from Neil Taylor, Leon Britton or Leroy Fair? It's a tough one. I'm going to say Leroy Fair. It's a good answer, yeah. Three yellow cards for him, two for Neil Taylor and two for Leon Britton. Right. Fifth and final question. It's on uh, international caps, this one. Who has the most international caps from these Liverpool players? Alex Manninger, Lucas Leiva, or James Milner? Manninger. Saying Alex Manninger, it's actually James Milner. Craig, he's got 61 caps. Manninger's got 33. And Lucas Leiva is 24. Mark Morahan actually said the same thing, didn't he, Stephen? He he was a bit. Uh, yeah, he does. He said it was a bit of a curveball that one. He said Manninger as well, because obviously his age, I think he's thirty-eight, something like that. But it was just that he was so odd. He was such an odd player to stick in there. I thought that. <laughs> yeah, he said the same thing, and, and I said the same thing that I put him in there for that reason, just to try and distract. <laughs> the obvious answer, right? Okay then. Most international caps from these Swansea City players, Stephen. Leroy Fair, Lucas Fabianski, or Fernando Lorente? Again, that's tough. I'm going to say Lorente. It's actually Fabianski okay. with 24. Sorry, Lorente 24, Fabianski 38, and Leroy Fair with just the 11. 
So it goes over to a tie break question. And as per usual, I've not got one ready. So <laughs> I won't be two seconds while I get my phone sorted out and get you a question. So the question is from which, which of these teams have won the most Serie A titles from International, AC Milan, Juventus, or Roma? Craig. Juventus. Craig was the first one there. Sorry, Stephen. Same answer, Juventus. You're going to say Juventus. That's the correct answer. So, Stephen, you've lost the quiz on this occasion. (laughs) Never mind, eh? It happens. I feel like a hollow victory. (laughs) (laughs) Tiebreaker question, and you... You took it. Stephen actually won the quiz the other night, so um, it's it's one of them now, isn't it? We don't know who's going to win the game on Saturday. Oh, we do know who's going to win the game Saturday. <laughs> don't worry. Yeah, we had this discussion before the pod, and I was worried about winning the quiz for the result of the game. <laughs> Look, if you lose, then you've got to ask serious questions about what you're doing. <laughs> Cheers, lads. Okay, just before we go, I'm going to do the um, introduction to the to the band or, or artist that we play on the on the podcast each week. Right, tonight I'm going to play a song for you by a couple of guys who are out in Houston, Texas, been in touch with us on, on Twitter. You can catch their, their Twitter handles at heartbreak underscore sir and at really though the gnome. Two lads have been producing music since they were, were in school. One of them is the art. One of them is the producer, and one of them is the rapper. Been together since elementary school, and the song I'm going to play for you tonight is called "I Just" by Heartbreak. I just need for you to tell me something. Why you always worried about nothing? Ain't you tired of arguing and fussing? Breaking up is not up for discussion. Why they worry about us too? They can't hold me down like you. Yeah, I hear them talk was new. That's just coming deja vu. Deja vu. Deja vu. Baby, that's just coming deja vu. Deja vu. Deja vu. I just need for you to tell me something new. Oh, I remember how could I forget? Turned up at the party, we were stupid lit. A couple games of Bill Punk, it's like I couldn't miss. I said I wasn't smoking tonight, sorry I had to hit. Yeah, you walked in with friends, bet I was looking. Praying to the Lord, you wasn't taking. I walked up, I spit my game, I bit the bullet, my confidence on a hundred. I really don't care who looking, but do you remember back in school we used to act a fool? All types of PDA, you know what lovers do. Them late nights on the phone, I always change your mood. So crazy how this time flew by. I'm still the same old dude, and I see it in you. I know you didn't change, you acting different, but I know you still feeling the same. We both been through a lot. I know this feeling strange, but I'ma be the one to change your life and hang a different frame. Look, I just need for you to tell me something. Why you always worried about nothing? 
Ain't you tired of arguing and fussing? Breaking up is not up for discussion. No. Deja vu, deja vu. I just need for you to tell me something. No. That's a common case. Deja vu. I just need for you to tell me something. Okay, and that track was I Just by Heartbreak Sir. Thanks to everybody for listening and huge thanks to Stephen Carroll for coming on the show for the Swansea side of things tonight. Hope you enjoyed the show again, Stephen. Yep. Thanks for having me. Very welcome. And Craig Holden making his debut on the Cop Table podcast. Thanks very much for taking the time out to join us tonight, Craig. Absolute pleasure. Delighted to be on. Cheers. Thanks very much. And um, yeah, I'm just going to be doing a little interview for Stephen's website as well. So um, I'll put that out on my Twitter page once I've done that. And Stephen's um, edited onto his website. If you could send us that when you're ready, Stephen. Yeah, sure. Will do. Spot on. So that's the Liverpool versus Swansea City podcast preview by the Cop Table all done. We will be returning next Monday with our Chelsea preview podcast where we'll also talk a little bit about the the League Cup game coming up against Southampton in the semi-final. So thanks everybody for listening, taking the time out to listen to the Cop Table and we will be back with you very shortly. So thanks very much and goodbye. Songs to sing of the glory.